Amen. The Lord is our salvation. Wow, it is good to see you all this beautiful day. This is the kind of day that I really love. It's warm outside. It's not snowing. We're not cursed with the cold of the fall. But we are still enjoying the beautiful sun. Amen? Amen. I know Doug does not agree with me, and that's okay. Right? Some people are smarter than others. <laughs> Just joking. Uh, I wanted to say real quick before we jump into the, the next sermon in our series, we've had two people who have been interested in baptism who said, I would like to be baptized. And so I want to make sure that I have one or two more Sundays where I say, listen, if you feel as if God is calling you to be baptized, if you have not been baptized and are feeling, man, that's the call of my life, I want to be baptized. Please email me. My email is in the uh, bulletin that you have in your hand. If not, you could grab one and you'll get the, uh, the email right inside there. Just email me. Say, I want to be part of the baptism and then we will set a date. So like I said, there's two people already that said they would like to be baptized. So you wouldn't be alone. Uh, I'm excited about that. God, God is doing great things. A church, you can know a church is becoming healthy or is healthy uh, when people are getting baptized, when people are coming to the Lord and when people are getting baptized. Those are two testaments to a church that is healthy. So that is super exciting. Well, I'm going to pray, and then we will jump into our series on uh, the book of John. We continue in the book of John, chapter 2. We're going to end with chapter 2. I'll be honest with you. I wanted to skip over these couple verses because I didn't really feel like they were that big of a deal. Well, <laughs> the Spirit tells you different things, doesn't he? When you pray and say, Lord, what, what needs to be said? And he's like, well, all of your anticipations are just going to be thrown out of the window. These are very important verses. So let's pray, and then we will dive into carnal versus spiritual Christianity from the book of John. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. I thank you for the beauty that is outside. I thank you for the beauty of all of your creation, that we get to bask in awe of that beauty. You are the creator of it all. You are the creator of us. We are made in your image, and Father, I thank you for that. I pray this morning as we open up the scriptures that our hearts will be convinced and convicted that this word is for us. Father, as I preach this word, may it be also myself preaching to myself because this is so important for us to grasp. Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray that this will be a time of transformation as we open up your word and not just a time of education. Be with us. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I, I talk about my, my youngest son, Liam, a lot. And you might be wondering, well, why do you talk about him and not the others? Well, I don't have to get his permission, right? <laughs> the others I have to ask. Right now, I, Liam doesn't know anything. Ignorance is bliss in his life. Well, let me, so let me share with you just a little bit of a story about Liam, too, as we move forward. Because it, it definitely has uh, an anchoring in where we're going. And, and I think real-life stories, real-life situations can really uh, attract our minds to the power of the Word because we, we live those truths. We've, we've seen those played out, and we can capture and understand it. So our youngest son, Liam, he's in the midst of, of potty training. And as parents, you know how fun that can be, right? Potty training is, is a blast. Yay. Um, and Liam, he's our third and most stubborn child when it comes to potty training. He, he just doesn't care. It doesn't bother him. It does, he just, he's like, whatever. Eh, okay, I peed my pants. Oh, well. 
He knows what to do. He knows where to go. He knows how to say, I have to go potty. And when it's convenient for him, he will. But when it comes to number two, he refuses. And we think, well, why is it so difficult for him to just go number two on the potty? Well, I think his, his little mind is asking this question. If I do that, what's in it for me? Right? What's in it for me? I, I, can, I can sit there and play in, in my diaper and I'm fine. I don't have to stop and pause and, and do anything else. I can just continue to play. And when my mom or dad comes, they change me really fast and I can just go right back to playing. But if I have to go and sit on this potty for a while, there's nothing going on. I'm supremely bored and I've paused my entire life. What is in this for me? Right? And maybe you had a child that was like that. Amelia and MJ were super easy compared to Liam when it comes to potty training. But we're getting there. He's going to eventually stop pooping in his pants, and it will be great. That day will be fantastic. Well, you're wondering, why in the world is this important for us now? Well, <laughs> right, hopefully you're asking that question. I like to draw you in with really curious stories. Well, the answer to that is, is that I think many times in our relationship with Jesus, when it comes to our Christianity, we ask that question, maybe we don't even realize it, what's in it for me? Right, if I follow Jesus and I go to church and I do all of these things, I don't want to pause parts of my life. I don't want to sit and rest and, and develop a relationship all the time. I want to just do and, and be whoever I want to be. I want to live my life. What is in this Christian life for me? Well, as we'll see, that's a very carnal question. Carnal versus spiritual Christianity, there are differences. There is the Christianity that Paul would call by the skin of your teeth Christianity, and then there's all in, diving deep into the deep end of the pool with the Lord. And so you're wondering, man, why is that important? It's important because it changes and challenges the way in which you and I live our lives. Tozer once said this, a carnal Christian and a baby share common characteristics. A self-centered little person Affected by senses, resting in the external, without any purpose, loving to play, and having no serious purpose in life, living on a simple diet. That's carnal Christianity. Spiritual Christianity is different because carnal Christianity is a religion based on reciprocity. Spiritual Christianity seeks intimacy. The, 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 the carnal Christian says, well, what's in it for me? If I give, what do I get? It's that reciprocal type of relationship. If I pour all this time, what is he going to give me? You see, but spiritual Christianity doesn't even ask that question. It says, how can I be closer to Jesus? How can I have a deeper intimacy with him? It's not a, a relationship based on reciprocity. It's a relationship based on intimacy. And so I believe as we look at these very short passages in Scripture, we'll see some key answers. Now, this is a huge issue, carnal versus spiritual Christianity. These two verses and what we're going to be talking about cannot cover the fullness of how we need to change from one to the other. But I believe it's a good beginning point as we open up to the Scriptures. I believe that John 2 verses 23 through 25 answers this question. How do we grow in spiritual Christianity? How do we grow in spiritual Christianity? So if you have your Bible, open up with me to John chapter 2, or you could read it on the screen as well. John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. 
and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Wow, those are packed verses. I can't believe that I wanted to kind of skip over them and get right to Nicodemus, because that's, you know, Nicodemus is an easy story. This one is a little bit more difficult to wrestle with. What is it that is happening in this? How can we grow in our spiritual Christianity? You see, Jesus was still in Jerusalem, And if you're following the timeline of John, he had only done one real miracle that we have recorded. And that was the the water into wine, which we looked at him bringing the joy to that wedding. That's the only miracle that has been recorded. And and that wasn't even done in the public eye. You see, this was done just for the disciples and for the servants to see. And Mary and Jesus were the only other people that knew about that miracle. But here Jesus comes to Jerusalem during the Passover and he begins to have some more public miracles. He begins to do miracles in front of other people and it attracts people to him. And so the first thing I want to say that we can see on how we can grow in our spiritual walk, our spiritual Christianity, is to understand that Jesus is not a maid, he's a monarch. Jesus is not a maid, he's a monarch. What do I mean by that? Well, as I said, these folks were following after Jesus. He had just done incredible miracles, and they're, they're like, wow, he must be the guy, right? He was kind of the pop culture dude of Passover. And they said, wow, he's doing miracles, there must be something. So we're going to go after this guy, we're going to follow him. And it, the, we see the clause in there, the reason why they believed in him is because when they saw the signs, that's when they believed in him. That Greek word is pistuyo, and it means to have faith or confidence in. But they only had faith and confidence in Jesus because of the signs he was doing. He was there to be someone who would do something for them, who would clean them of their mess, who might have healed them from their problems, or they could watch other people live vicariously through these miracles and see this crazy, awesome thing happening. And they said, wow, we're going to believe and have confidence in him because he's doing these things. Well, what if he stopped doing those things? If he just stopped doing those miracles in Jerusalem, they probably would have stopped following him. It was all about what he could do for them. And that's kind of like a maid, right? We pay a maid services to do what we need them to do, to clean the things that we need to clean, and then we forget about them the rest of the week. Many times you and I, we treat Jesus as a maid and not a monarch. You see, Jesus is a king. Jesus is a king. We cannot just believe in Jesus for what he does. We have to believe in Jesus for who he is. He's not just there to serve us. He's not there to serve us. We're there to serve him. And I think that many times in our carnal Christianity, in the the whole aspect of what's in it for me, we look at Jesus as what's in it for me. What's he going to give me? Now, when we do that with human relationships, that messes up a relationship. If I were to hang out with any one of you and say, well, what's in it for me to be with you? Well, clearly that would shine through in that relationship. It would become self-absorbed and you wouldn't really want to hang out with me because I'd just be taking and taking and taking and taking rather than giving and being with and desiring you for yourself. But we do that so often with the Lord and we treat him like our maid. They believed because of what he did. Warren Wearsby says, It was one thing to respond to a miracle, but quite something else to commit oneself to Jesus Christ and continue in his word. 
It's one thing to see him do something miraculous and say, wow, I can believe because he's doing those miraculous things. But it's another thing to commit yourself. So carnal Christianity avoids commitment, but spiritual Christianity embraces it. Carnal Christianity avoids commitment. When Christ calls you to a deeper commitment, when he says, make a covenant with me to do this in your life, go here, live this way, change, be transformed. There's a commitment that has to go with that, saying, yes, I'm committed to being someone different. I'm committed to doing something different. I'm committed to knowing you more and living after you. That's what I'm committed to do. You see, but in carnal Christianity, commitments are not embraced. That is not something that we want to do. It's, it's kind of like Liam where he says, why, why would I want to do that? I get to play. Why would I want to sit down and no longer play anymore? With our lives, we do that. With my life, I've done that. Where are we doing that in our lives where we're looking for reciprocity rather than giving over commitment? Where is it that we're seeking Jesus to be our maid and not our king? Because there are areas, there are places, there are times and there are seasons where that happens. And maybe that's been a long season in your life. Maybe it's been a time where you've never heard of the understanding of making him your king, but he is your savior. So oh, I believe he, he died on the cross for my sins. I'm saved. Well, that's just the beginning. That's not the end. Too often, salvation becomes the means to an end. We're saying, oh, that's what I'm going to do, and it's over. But no, there is so much more. And that's something that I continuously say as we look at the book of John. There is so much more. We need to be committed to that more. Now, some of you might be remembering some of the sermons that we talked about before where we say that the supernatural actually does reveal God and, and the supernatural actually does draw people into a deeper belief. But that does, this does not mean that that does not happen. You see, but that's not the only thing that should draw us to belief. If you look at the disciples, the stories of the disciples, when Jesus knew Nathaniel, it convinced him that, wow, I, this is it. You're the one. And when he did the, 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 the wine out of water, there was deeper belief. We saw John say they clung to a deeper belief, and they knew without reservation. So it can strengthen and boost our faith, but it should not be the basis of our faith. That is what he is trying to say in this passage. Warren Wearsby states, however, throughout the book, John makes it clear that it takes more than believing in miracles for a person to be saved. You see, it says that they believed, they had confidence in Jesus because of what he was doing. But they wouldn't have had confidence in Jesus outside of those things that he did. So a belief is deeper than just saying, wow, I'm going to go after those things. Belief is going after himself, for himself. That is is deep Christianity, spiritual Christianity. Also, if you look at the story in Luke 8, some of you may be doing the, the 91 weeks with us. I don't know if you, if you have been or not, but we're doing 91 weeks where we're following uh, the scripture passage. In 91 weeks, we're gonna read the entirety of the Bible. And this week, we've been in the book of Luke. And in Luke 8, there's this conversation that Jesus gives with those who are listening about the four different soils. Maybe you remember those types of soils. 
And there's the ones that, that fall on the ground and there's no growth. There's the thorns and there's, there's th- the thistles and there's the good soil. And then, then there's uh, one other soil that for whatever reason I can't remember. But the question is, is what soil are we? What soil are we allowing ourselves to be? Are we the good soil, the one that allows the seed of God to go deep into our lives? That's the type of spiritual Christianity that we should be allowing God to develop within us. A good soil that can embrace the seed of God and allow it to flourish by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. What soil are you? What soil am I? So my challenge in how you and I can live into spiritual Christianity is to check the state of your spiritual soil. We should be checking the state of our spiritual soil. Constantly asking the Lord, is my soil fresh? Is my soil ready for the seed of God? Is my soil ready for a deeper relationship? I think many times we don't even check the soil of our hearts. And there are things and times and areas of life where the thorns and the thistles will choke out that seed that God was trying to develop within us. We talked about last week about those people, those places, and those things that hinder our relationship with God. Are we allowing those things to continue to live around us and in our soil? Or are we asking God to take them away, to break them, to burn them? Where's your soil? In order to live as a spiritual Christian and not a carnal one, we've got to have soil that is ready to receive what God has for us. Are we asking him to show us where our hearts are, where our soil is. You see, the carnality of these men that were following after Jesus was obvious. It was clear to Jesus why they were there. It was kind of like he was the the, the YouTube star of the week where he posted something up and everybody was sharing it and following and then all of a sudden when that person puts a really bad video on, nobody watches it or follows that person anymore. Or Instagram, there's this really cool picture that gets put on, and then that's it. It was just one really good hit, one hit wonder. And that's how they were treating Jesus. He was the pop culture fad of the Passover. And Jesus knew that they were fair-weather fans. He knew it. Their soil was not ready. Their soil was not good. They were there for the show. Spiritual Christianity seeks out more. And not only can we learn lessons about spiritual Christianity from these men and their carnality, but we can look at spiritual Christianity and Jesus and his response. How did Jesus respond to them? And I think the the thing that Jesus shows us and how we can go after and grow in our spiritual Christianity is that we need to live for the pleasure of God and not the whims of man. Live for the pleasure of God and not the whims of man. You see, Jesus could have got caught up in this moment. He could have allowed the importance of that moment to go to his head. Where he's like, yeah, all these things I'm doing are awesome. And all these people are following me. I've got tons of followers on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And everybody loves me. I'm the greatest person this Passover has ever seen. He could have reacted that way. He could have lived for that glory. He could have lived for that celebration. And he could have just kept doing all kinds of crazy miracles. And he's like, oh yeah, you want to see that? Check this one out. Watch this person. They don't even have an arm. I'm going to grow one. Now I'm awesome again, right? He didn't react that way. 
Jesus lived for the pleasure of God, not the whims of man. Let me tell you, as humans, we are very whimsical. One thing that we like yesterday might not be the thing that we like tomorrow. Sometimes it's because the new thing comes out. There's this awesome bow that you're going to go hunting with. Next year, they're going to come out with the next one. So you need that one. We live in a culture of dissatisfaction, and we cannot live on our whims. We have to live for the pleasure of the Lord. Because if we live for the whims of man, we will constantly, constantly be battling against their frustration with us. And we'll constantly be trying to adjust to make everyone happy with how we're living or what we're doing. That will interrupt our spiritual growth with the Lord. Because listen, when we're following after Jesus, we're going to frustrate a lot of people. Because when we live the way Jesus lived, it's going to cause a lot of frustration. They wanted to kill Jesus. It's not always going to be happy, clappy connection. If we sit there and say that Christianity is always going to be a party, something is wrong with our theology. Because it's not always going to be a party. There are going to be difficult times, and there are going to be people who are against us. But are we living for the pleasure of God, or are we living for the whim of man? Jesus showed us that it was about God. Interesting thing in verse 24 <coughs> that says right here, says, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. That word in trust is the same word that we saw belief, putting confidence in. Jesus did not have confidence in the faith of these people. Does Jesus have confidence in your faith? That's a tough question. That's a really tough question. Scriptures are always nailing us between the eyes with these important things to capture and connect. The scripture should always bring us to a place where we reflect and we have introspection as Brian challenged us to. He did not entrust himself to the faith of these men. Is he entrusting himself to us? Does he have confidence in our faith? And when we live like carnal Christians, and we're living just for ourselves, the answer is going to be no. That doesn't mean he doesn't love us. That doesn't mean that we're not going to heaven because we, but that, that, that's not the important piece in this question. The question is, are we going after him? Are we putting everything in his basket? Or is it about ourselves or the pleasures of other people? Does he entrust himself with your faith? He didn't believe in them. He knew that they were false friends. And what's in, intriguing about this group of people is that we can see a little bit of this, this uh, future view of what's going to happen with this group of people because many people continue to follow after Jesus. And in John 6, Jesus says something really difficult. He knew that when he said this statement, and we'll get there, but I'll say it here too. He said, if you eat my body, then you'll be saved. They all left. <laughs> They're like, that's, that's a really weird saying. They were following him. They just had seen him do the miraculous work of feeding the 5,000, and they still wanted more for themselves. And Jesus challenged them, and they left. Their faith was weak. It was about themselves. We need to live for the pleasure of God, not the pleasure of man. Some people would call this nominal Christianity, where it's not just carnal, it's nominal, where it's just in name only. And I think in our culture, 
Many times people who think that they're going to heaven by the skin of their teeth have only just named themselves a Christian and they don't really know the true, real Jesus. Have we come face to face with that beautiful face of God? Have we understood the reality of what salvation means and what accepting Christ in our life means? Because there is a fine line between carnal and nominal. The nominal Christian is only just slightly saved, if that makes any sense. They're saved, it's all done. But hopefully you understand what I'm saying. There's a fine line between the two. Are we living for God or are we living for ourselves? Jesus did not entrust himself to these men. He did not entrust himself to these men. And he didn't live for their praises. A pastor I deeply respect, he said this, if we don't live by the praises of men, we won't die by their criticisms. That's a powerful statement. If we don't live by the praises of men, we won't die by their criticisms. Just like we as humans will never be happy, those around us will never be happy. If we live for the pleasure of man rather than the pleasure of God, when the criticisms come, we will be broken people. We should be living only for the pleasure of God. Jesus showed us that truth. Another thing that we can see is that Jesus had discernment. And for you and I to grow in our spiritual Christianity, we need to depend on the Holy Spirit for discernment. We need to depend upon the Holy Spirit for discernment. You see, I think that these men, these these folks that were following and gathering after Jesus were there to distract him rather than boost him up or grow him or, or make him more prominent before he was going to die or whatever it was that his mission was. I believe that these people were placed there in many ways to distract him, but he did not go after the distraction. He had discernment to know these people are not true followers. These people are just in it for themselves. They're just in it for the show. He had a discernment. And I believe that when we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the book of 1 Corinthians, I believe that each believer has access to those gifts. But one of the gifts I think is most important for us is the gift of discernment. Because we ought to have the gift of discernment. Is this God or is this man? In our carnality, the enemy is going to try and pull at our flesh to make us think that the things that are not of God are of God. Look in the book of of Genesis where he says, did God really say, is that really his word to Eve and to Adam? And they fell into temptation. The enemy is going to do the same and you and I must have a spiritual discernment that notices what is God and what is not. If we're going to grow in our spiritual Christianity, we've got to ask the Holy Spirit for that discernment. If Jesus did not have that discernment in that moment, things would have been completely different. Him being fully God and and fully man, he knew. And you say, well, if he's God, you know, of course he knew. But if you look at it, we remember from the book of John, from the entirety of the gospel, Jesus purposely stepped down from heaven, lived with human limitations, He was fully God and fully man, but he lived dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That is why he went away to pray constantly, and he needed to hear what is the Father's will. He said, what the Father is doing, I am doing. You and I have access to the same Holy Spirit to discern what is God and what is not. We're challenged by Paul to discern the spirits, what is of God and what is is not. Because it's either God or nothing, whether it's man or Satan, it doesn't matter. We need to go after God's will, discern what is God doing. So we need to depend upon the Holy Spirit for discernment. 
Carnal Christianity uses the human eye. Spiritual Christianity seeks the sight of the Spirit. Are you asking those questions as things come up into your life? As people say things to you or try to draw you into something? Do you step down and pray and say, okay, God, is this you or not? I don't want to look at this from a human perspective. Holy Spirit, give me the ability to discern. Like Jesus was able to discern that these men were not true followers. He did not entrust himself to them. Let me challenge you to live in that discernment. The next thing that we can see from this passage, in order for you and I to to grow in our spiritual Christianity, is that we need to remember that we serve a living and loving God. A living and loving God. Kostenberger, a commentary, said, According to Jewish belief, God knows people's hearts and judges their motivations. Why do I say that about this verse 25? Verse 25 says, And needed no one to bear witness about man, for he, Jesus himself, knew what was in man. John wrote that purposely in there, to say Jesus is God. If you remember from our John booklet and from the beginning of this series, we're calling it Seeing God in the Flesh. John, seeing God in the flesh. Over and over again, this idea of Jesus being God shows up all the time. It's an important point that John is consistently trying to make. Jesus is God. He was omniscient. He knew everything. John put it in there knowing that the Jewish people who would read that would say, wow, he's claiming that Jesus is God again because only God is omniscient. If you're to look at doctrine, just go with me for a second because this stuff's really exciting. If you look at doctrine, there are God's communicable uh, attributes and God's incommunicable attributes. Communicable means that there are those attributes of God that you and I as humans also have. Love. We can love. God can love. This one is one that you and I cannot have. I cannot know all things. I know that probably disappoints you. I cannot know all things. I cannot know what you're thinking right now, but God can. And so what John is saying is Jesus knew the heart of man. He didn't need anyone to tell them what they were thinking. He already knew. Now that's kind of a scary thought. God knows everything that we're thinking at every moment of every time. He is all-knowing. He knows everything. And so what John was saying is Jesus is God. He didn't have to guess. He knew His discernment was pure. His discernment is right. And so how do you and I, what does that mean for you and me? That means that we do serve a living and loving God. God is alive. Jesus was God in flesh. He died and he rose again. We saw that he was alluding to that last week, the reality of his death and resurrection. In order for you and I to grow in our spiritual Christianity, we need to keep this in the forefront of our mind that we serve a living, loving God. God. When we fail to remember that, we fall into what's called MTD, moralistic therapeutic deism. When we forget that we serve a living, loving God, we just kind of have God as a side piece. He's just over here. We, whenever we need to ask questions, we can run to him, but he's just over there. He's not involved. He's not invested. In moralistic therapeutic deism, the point is, if I feel good and, and, and I am good, then I am a Christian and everything is great. And God is kind of far off. That's the deism piece of it. He's far off. But listen, God is alive and he's loving. He wants to be invested into your life. 
He wants to be as he was with Moses, face to face with you in life. Now, if you were to go to the Hebrew translation of Moses being face-to-face to God, it's kind of a really interesting translation because it actually means mouth-to-mouth. What does that mean? Well, if you're so close to someone that your nose is touching their nose, all you see is that person. Your peripheral view can't really see anything either. You just see that person. And so what the, the, the Hebrew is saying when Jesus or when Moses had a relationship with God face to face, it was saying he was so close that nothing else came into his sight. Are you and I living face to face with God? Because we serve a living and loving God who wants to live face to face with us. That's the true power of spiritual Christianity is it's not about the things, it's about the person. It's about himself alone. And these men in these short little verses didn't understand it. They were acting like babies. But we can be grown adults pursuing a deep relationship with the Lord. We can be known by him. We can be known and allow ourselves to be known. Now, that's part of our mission as a church, that we are going to be proclaiming the gospel to be a refuge, to restore the the relationships with both God and man. How do we do that? Well, we're a group of people, a group of disciples who seek to know God and to be known by God. It's right there in our mission statement as a church. What does that mean, to be known by God? You just said he knows everything. He knows my every thought. Yes, that's true, but do you feel known? It's one thing to cognitively know, oh, he knows everything, so I don't need to talk to him. But there's this sense of deep intimacy where you reveal yourself to someone, where you confess and you're real and you're honest and you don't hold anything back and you're just pure honesty between you and the other person. That you know they know you. There's this sense of feeling and being known. Are you and I being known by God? Are we opening up that face-to-face true intimacy with him or are we pushing it away? So in light of that idea, in order for you and I to grow in our spiritual Christianity, we need to keep confession current. Keep confession current. Because we can slip back into our carnality of what is in this for me? What is this about for me? What do I get out of my relationship? Because sin can deaden our desire for deeper relationship with God. Sin is not just something that throws us into hell. It's something that ruins every aspect of our life and it hinders our relationship with God. Sin is a big deal. If sin is not a part of your theology, then you're missing a whole lot of the gospel. Because it's nothing that you and I can do. We all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. We all need God to save us and rescue us from our sins. It's truth. It's the reality of the gospel. But in order for us to repent and turn back to that face-to-face relationship with God, we must confess our sins. Maybe you felt far off from God in this season or this part of your life. Is there a sin in your life that you've not confessed? Are you holding on to it because you want to keep it? Kind of like Liam doesn't want to go number two on the potty because he doesn't want to pause his life. He doesn't want to stop the show. He doesn't want to stop playing with his dinosaurs. Is that how you're treating the sin that's in your life? Because you want to keep playing rather than move away from it. Too often, it's really easy to just keep playing. 
But spiritual Christianity comes when we keep confession current. Are we current with our confession? Are we being honest with the Lord? Are we living aletheia, which means truthful, completely honest with him? Or are we ignoring it? This small scene in John 2 teaches us several things about growing in our spiritual Christianity with the Lord. And the main goal of spiritual Christianity is a deeper intimacy with the Lord. Carnal Christianity asks the question, what's in it for me? Spiritual Christianity says, how can I go deeper with him? How can I have a deeper, intimate relationship with the living, loving God? That is the question of a spiritual Christian. That's the essence of it. And so I'm going to give you a final point, something that I know has been a point on a sermon schedule before you, for you before, but I think it's important for us to consistently remind ourselves this passage, 23 through 25, is basically saying, seek the face of God, not the hands of God. Seek the face of God and not the hands of God. Because the carnal Christian is going to go after the hands of God. What can he do for me? But the spiritual Christian is going to seek the face of God and say, how can I come closer to him? How can I come closer to him? My hope is that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about the areas in your life where the soil needs to be churned up a little bit. And the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about those areas where you know you've been in the carnal Christianity side rather than the spiritual Christianity side. I hope that the Holy Spirit is saying, get face to face with me. Spend time where all you see is me. Get to know me in a deeper, real, intimate way. Because my friends, we do serve a living and loving God. Choose today to make Christ your monarch and not your maid. He's your king. He's your Lord. He's not your servant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you that you are a king who we can swear fealty to because we can trust everything into your hands. Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray that you will fall fresh upon us And if there are sins that we need to keep current with you, that we will. And Father, that we will seek to be spiritual Christians, not carnal ones. We're asking the question, how can I grow in my intimacy with you rather than what do I get out of this? Change us. Grow us. Transform us in your name. Amen.